Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pit Stops the Podium, the Red Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. Well, my name is Brendan Tolleson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of, of Red Partners. And I have with me today, Mike Cassetta for episode five of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Mike. How are you, man? What's going on? Not much. Well, hey, uh, we are thrilled to have you for just to give a little context for the audience on Mike's background. Uh, Mike would never tell you this, but he is one of the leading uh, sales executives in the technology space. Mike is currently the chief commercial and strategy officer at Compass, uh, who is disrupting uh, the real estate space currently. And in fact, they actually just at the time of recording uh, recently had an IPO. So congrats to you, Mike, on that. Thank you very much. Uh, prior, prior to Compass, uh, Mike was leading the, the sales team at Square. Uh, and so he knows a thing or two about building and scaling a sales team. So Mike, before we get into the big idea for today, uh, I'd love for our audience to get to know you a little bit further. So beyond just what you've done from a work standpoint, what are three fun things that our, our audience should know about you? Well, that's, uh, I, I got to be careful how far I go on that one, but I just <laughs> moved to Miami. Uh, I'll put that on out there. Just moved from New York to Miami is my new primary residence. The second I love to travel. Uh, I've been to 58 countries and probably have another 50 on the list that are very exciting to me. Um, and a third random one, I, uh, I learned how to sell selling Cutco knives. So my original sales career, other than trying to sell pencils and pens to my friends in kindergarten, uh, started as an 18-year-old selling Cutco. The, you know, the best sellers that I have, have seen have that in their background. So that's a good training ground. It's a fun world. Yeah. Train taught me a lot. No doubt. What, uh, you mentioned over 50 countries. What's your favorite country so far? Still goes Italy, been Italy 16 times. Um, still my favorite place. I'm maybe a little biased. Um, <laughs> but there, there are a lot of others that are incredible. Oman, amazingly surprising country, Georgia, Iceland. I think Japan would probably won't surprise anyone, but you know, those are definitely on top of the list. Well, I'll have to add a few of those to, to my list. I've been fortunate to live in Europe and Africa and Australia, but uh, some of those I definitely have not been to, but I would agree with you that Italy is d- definitely at the top of the list, at least from a food perspective, it's hard to beat. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, Mike, let's transition into to the big sure. idea. And so, you know, given your experience and in light of what's going on in the world today, it seems like a pertinent time to talk about, you know, as a sales leader, uh, leading a team, how do you do that in this distributed um, context where everyone uh, is it at home as opposed uh, to the office? So we'll cover a few categories within that. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm really appreciative to have you. And we think about this distributed teams concept within the sales lens. How about let, let's mm-hmm. start with like people management. Uh, sure. and, so, and when we think about that, you know, there's the onboarding piece, you know, there's the training, et cetera, but there's also other components. But let's start with people uh, first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to think to yourself, there's a lot of different types of employee sitting underneath you. There's the ones who have been doing the same job for a while. They've been working with you for a while. Um, A lot of it is plug and play. There's a repetitive motion. There's already a predictability to what they're doing, and they probably require a little less maintenance and a little less um, direction, but still need the same encouragement and inspiration that they might have gotten from you five feet away or when you ran into them uh, in the hallway. That's a little different. Um, There are people who were relatively new when we all went remote and still had good onboarding and standard onboarding and standard training. And that was just a matter matter of managing them remote. Um, That takes a slightly different perspective of how do you get check-ins? How do you listen to enough calls? 
Um, how do you monitor progress with the data that everyone stares and looks at every day anyway? But now how do you address things quicker um, in a more intentional way? Because you have to schedule time most likely to review these things. Uh, the third group, I think, are the people, probably the most challenging group for all of us, which is how do you manage and have a relationship with people who you hired remote, you onboarded remote, you trained remote, you're managing remote, you're maintaining their business remote, um, and you might have actually never met this person in person. Um, you know, just recently, I, I met our chief product officer for the first time <laughs> at the New York Stock Exchange, and he's been at Compass for a year. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, this is it's not an easy world that we're all in, but I think there's a lot of adaptation that's happening. Um, but I would say those different groups of people need to be treated differently and you need to work with them in a slightly different way. At the same time, the beauty of a revenue organization is that numbers usually don't lie. And it, it's a little more transparent. It's a little more discreet in the sense that there are buckets of data and buckets of milestones that are easy to track against. So the worst case, I think, is that you still have the data uh, to go by. And this, I think, puts even more pressure on organizations to make sure everyone is seeing data they're seeing it in real time, uh, that people are understanding the data, uh, and that there's a, a consistent cadence to review the numbers so that people feel like at least they know they're on track, they know they're not on track, uh, and people can manage accordingly. Yeah, that uh, the sentiment of you know that, that last people group that you talked about with these remote teams, definitely, uh, I can resonate with that. We built this business during COVID. And so yeah. uh, we didn't know anybody in terms of being face-to-face. And so that onboarding piece, to your point, is so critical. And it looks so different uh, in this lens where it's all remote. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Mike, at the very end of that uh, was around data uh, in terms of how to manage teams. And it becomes even more you know, pronounced in a remote context. Uh, do you see the same, when you talk about data, are there, has it, is the same thing as just with a heightened focus or are you looking at other aspects of data to help drive the right behaviors from a management perspective? You know, there, there's a lot of things. Uh, so I'm going to answer that in two ways. So one is how do you make sure that the data are readily available and easily available and understood by everyone? Um, because in the past, I think we took a lot of pieces of data and brought it to people. Hey, did you know this? Do you see this? Hey, take a look at this. Um, and it's generally from a leadership perspective on down. We just don't have enough time in the day to be able to do that now, because again, it's going to require me to set up a call with you to tell you this. Maybe I could text you or email it or, or send it to you on Slack or whatever, but that's not nearly as effective. So I think there's something known as just passive management, right? Which let the numbers manage the people because the numbers are what the job is anyway. So if everyone sees the same numbers and understands the same numbers, it makes, I think, the daily management aspect a little easier. The second part, though, are what are the things that you used to get data on? And I'll put data in quotes, but what would you get evidence on in person or through in-person interactions? <laughs> and now how do you replicate that? How do you get an understanding of that? So a simple example can be from a sales management perspective, hearing someone on a call sitting next to that person prepping for a meeting while you grab a coffee before you jump into a big you know, meeting or a big pitch or a big whatever. Um, you know, those are the little things that go away. How do you replicate that? How do you test someone's confidence? How do you make sure that they are prepping um, for some of these meetings and some of these calls when you can't see them? They're not there next to you to ask you a question um, as well. So uh, I think it becomes more like sporadic interjection of yourself into things, whether it be, hey, can I shadow a call? Uh, can I listen to a call? Can you record a call? Hey, let's do a debrief on your pipeline. Let's look at what happened, what's going well, what's not going well. Um, and also you need to be, as a leader, 
um, the person who sees around the corner and sees the things that they're not even noticing or changing about their job and making sure that you're steering the ship to where it needs to be, right, as the whole world is changing. The one benefit is that every company on earth is dealing with the same thing. So mm-hmm. you're not at a disadvantage by being more remote than we were a year or two years ago. Um, everyone's dealing with it. But again, what are the differences in buying you know, process that their, your clients may be facing? Um, what is the difference in upsell, cross-sell opportunity when even those teams are not gathering and they're not doing their same budget reviews um, as they did in the past? Um, and again, being remote is not an excuse. It's just a different my it's a different pathway that we have to take. And I think it's our responsibility as leaders to be way ahead of, of our teams and to be prepared for whatever might come. Yeah, the, the the key word that came to my mind as you were talking for the sales leaders, you had to be more intentional. Um, and so the, the tactics that you were just describing, it's the responsibilities on the manager to make sure that they have the tools, the infrastructure, and the you know the check-ins as you described to ensure that you're seeing the right behaviors out of the sales team. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let, let's transition a little bit. So we talked about kind of the pipeline management, but there's also the customer experience uh, portion. So uh, you know, for your teams, they've signed a customer. Now, how do you, you know, continue to manage them? Because they're, you know, they're, there's a relationship component that people talk about in terms of the, you know, wine and dine, whatever you want to call it, where you're, you know, face-to-face and building that rapport. Uh, so post-close to maintain the relationships, the QBRs, things of that nature. How are you seeing that change uh, in this new context? Well, again, I think you have to be the quarterback. And I would not wait for the customer to come tell you how they want to review their account with you. I would not wait for... <laughs> any long-term account you've had to, to come to you with their new business strategies and ideas. Um, th- that, that term quarterbacking a deal, I think goes long beyond a deal into quarterbacking a relationship and quarterbacking the lifetime um, with that customer. And obviously on the enterprise space, people don't make decisions very quickly, but when they, may t- when they make a decision, it tends to be done. Uh, by the time those decisions are made, there may not be any recourse or any other alternative. So you better stay very closely tied. Uh, to those teams. But just like I think with a leader being more intentional with his or, his or her team, it's the same being more intentional with a client or a customer of, of putting yourself on their calendar, asking the right questions, you know, doing your own research about the industry, about their product, about their environment, so that you can come to them with information and with value. And you're not just pinging them asking for a referral or an upsell opportunity. That That's not going to work for anyone. And no one wants to deal with that right now. Um, I would also say if you're in a place where you can meet in person and there's budget for it and there's capability for it, please do it, right? Because every person on earth, I think, is craving some level of in-person human interaction. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in a place where people are not afraid uh, to meet in person, but not every city in America is like that. Not every country in the world um, is open to that right now. But I would say if you can and you have the budget and the time, do it. Um, because I think, again, even though you don't need as much time as you probably thought you did in the past in person, it doesn't hurt. You might as well throw it in if you can. Yeah, I like that. That, that reality that you just described uh, might uh, delay your next 50 countries that you want to go to, but we'll, you can keep those on, on, on the bucket list. I, I've got four countries already booked this year. So um, nice. whether they let me in or not is a different story. We'll find out. <laughs> Very good. Well, Mike, this has been fantastic. Are there any other last things that you want to call out as it relates to kind of this remote context and what leaders need to be mindful of as it relates to managing their team and, and their customer relationship? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of information that's not getting around in companies. And I think the more technical your company um, and the more technologically based your product set is, the more 
you need as a revenue leader to make sure that your you and your teams are hearing and understanding what the product team and the engineering team is thinking about and doing. And they need to be hearing from you about what your customers are thinking. And revenue organizations tend to own three types of customers. You own the existing customer, you own the future customer, and you also own the past customer if you lost them. Hmm. And those sets of data are incredibly valuable, not just for you, but for all the people building product, for building features, for ensuring that these products are sticky and um, and that we're all happy. And I think that's an easy place that cross-functional set of information and the cross-functional conduit of data um, will also tend to break down in a more remote space. So the more you and your other leadership can do to keep each other involved and to keep, again, information central, visible, and readily available for everyone, uh, the more fluid and the more dynamic I think your organizations can be, and, and therefore the more stable um, and agile you'll be able to be. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that the quarterback concept that you alluded to earlier. It's, you know, yes, revenue is a shared goal across the organization, but it's the responsibility of the revenue teams and specifically the sales leaders to make sure that those things are being done. Uh, Absolutely. And so to have that cross-functional alignment, the knowledge transfer, uh, both with, you know, as you as a, as a sales leader, but with the CSM, as well as the product, um, marketing, et cetera, there needs to be that 360 visibility to help inform where the product is going, uh, where marketing is investing, and how you make sure that retention stays high. Agreed. Yeah, it's like a car, right? What's the most important part of a car? Well, everyone says the engine. Well, sure, go try to drive a car without without wheels. <laughs> Tell me how it goes. You know, <laughs> go try to drive a car with wheels and no engine. You know, no carburetor, no roof, other things becomes a little challenging. So, yeah, you might own the revenue number, but go try to sell a product that's terrible, you know, or have the product team build an amazing product and not give any salespeople to go put it out there, no marketing team to go build awareness. So it is a cross-functional relationship and responsibility. Um, And I think the more senior you are, the more you are responsible for making sure that you're doing as much internal selling and communication as you are external uh, because your team is dependent upon it. And that's the future of your organization. Well, Mike, I, I love everything you've said. This has been incredibly helpful for me. And I know it's been for our audience as well. Uh, as it relates to learning more about you and Compass, what are the next steps they can take? I mean, Compass is easy. Compass.com. You can find us there. Um, for me, you know, my LinkedIn is probably the easiest way, um, just on some background. Um, and uh, always looking forward to staying in touch. You know, it's, it's a great world out there. And I think, again, we all need um, a, a little bit more networking and human interaction these days than potentially we've had in the past 14 months. I'll, I'll put in an even bigger plug. If you're looking to buy your next home, find your local Compass agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Take care, Brendan. See ya.